0: Jesus said it's good to take the lower seat because then you might be called up. Bishop, I call you up. Archbishop, please come. You guys, I was supposed to preach and I understand some of you get a little irritated if I miss a Sunday or whatever, but I would never cheat you of Ben Kwashi. No way. So go ahead, get mad for me not preaching today. You're going to get something better. I always want to do that. I love this brother so much. And we give God thanks. He, uh, about seven and a half months ago, Uh, maybe eight months ago had a a tumor or had some kind of something going on and we got an email and without thinking I said Ben get your bottom over here to the U.S. and let us treat you I had no idea who was going to do it I didn't know how God was going to do it that's a lot of money y'all to get cancer treatment but sometimes like a little child we just have faith and I said come Ben took about a week he's a guy who thinks about things And after a week, he asked about 10 questions (laughs) because he's very meticulous. But finally, he said, I believe the Lord's in this, and he came. And it's so good that he did come. Bob Williams, Jannard, Madge Ellis, um, Paul Richards, so many have treated him. But when they opened Ben up, the cancer was not just in his colon. It had gone to his liver, making it stage four, which then the unexpected result was we had to have chemo. We, actually, Ben, had chemo for 12 Rounds and you guys, I had no idea how bad chemo was. It is terrible. Maybe an angel in the long run, but it's a devil in the short run. So, sir, we are so glad you're here after chemo, looking fit, ready to go to preach God's word. We love you so much. Come on, buddy. I love you so much, buddy.
1: Well, caught long story short, I was given Bob Williams' number and I called him. And he asked a few questions, and I threw so many questions at him. In the end, he said, Ben, I thought I was going to encourage you. You are encouraging me. So please come. And I did come. I had given thanks in the earlier service. But Thanksgiving is what we must always do. I want to thank the pastoral staff. I've never served under a bishop for seven months. And, and and a team of other pastors together, as pastors together in ministry. But here I have been received as one of the family. And I've been supported, prayed for. And I want to thank Quig a lot for that. You're a great pastor, my friend. And uh, your heart is in the right place. I, I thank you. I mean, we've had Bible studies together as pastors at home with the family and all of that. And I think I've enjoyed that a lot, a lot. And like I said, I've never been under a pastor's ministry like I've been this long. And I thank you. I want to thank the church for your prayers every Sunday. Um, when I was worshiping online, I hear, we pray for Bishop Kwashi, Aunt Bishop Kwashi, all over. Those prayers have been answered. The prayers have been answered. You better believe it. I mean, Doctors are amazing people. And I don't think they know they are. And it's good they don't know. It's good they don't. Because they're just doing what they should do according to knowledge. God walks through them with compassion and mercy. And, and, and every time I meet with Bob, he encu- he's a good preacher. He's a good teacher. We sit in his office. He talks with me to encourage me not to give up. For about 30 or 40 minutes before I see my doctors. They're amazing people. They don't know they are. And then they do what they have been trained to do. And they try to make sure that you come out on the other side well. I remember when finally I went for my first surgery and I came out. And Bob said, Ben, you're the pastor, but please forgive me. This is not what we ask the Lord for. You have to go through chemotherapy. We thought we'd be done and finished with this, and you go back home. But you have to go through. And here we are 12 cycles done, dusted, signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. <laughs> and as if that was not enough, I got extra bonus. Apparently, I had bad eyes. I didn't know. <laughs> so, Kevin and Sherry, oh, let's check you. And there we are. <laughs> I mean, God does things extraordinarily. But I want to tell you one more thing because I've got to write and thank everybody. I've got names that will be in my writing and people and your church especially. There's no way Church of the Holy Spirit will not be mentioned whether on earth or in heaven. It's got to be mentioned because this is where the Lord has shown me mercy and given me extra days. I must mention Annette. Annette. If you think Quigg is wonderful, Annette is more wonderful She's a great, she's a great woman. Believe me, believe me. She keeps all my appointments. She drives me up and down, takes Gloria to the market. She's just a tireless woman. And when our women in Joss were praying for us, because we all went to the hospital same week, Quigg had the hip replacement, I had uh, my surgery and chemo. And I told them what trouble Annette was going with. Both, both, We were like two secondary school kids who were both complaining at the same time. And here is Annette trying to minister to him, trying to minister. So my women in Jaws decided Annette was an angel. So they call her Angel Annette and they pray for Angel Annette. Annette is an angel. Friends, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I've got to be packing up now and getting ready to go back home. Um, Might come back for some checks uh, with my doctor checking me and others. But for now, I feel great. And uh, we're going to face the devil. Uh, That's what's waiting for me for sure, that I know that. Because Satan is very active in Nigeria from the news, if you know. Actually, don't be deceived. He's no less active in Nigeria as he is in America. It's just that here, he has the method scientifically packaged. You know, very technological, very very civilized. You know, Satan is still the same person. He just walks with you the way you think you are going. But we have his cure this morning, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 We have his cure. Acts chapter 2. You know, Jesus had taught that he was going to leave and go back to the Father. That was a key theme in his three years of ministry on earth. But the disciples were not listening. Because while he was there, he provided food for everybody. Miracles were happening. He healed the sick, raised the dead. They were excited, but confused. Because who could do things that Jesus was doing if not God? So could he be God or son of God or something about God? Because there's nobody who could walk on water. And more than anything else you can ever think, this Jesus commanded nature. And nature responded. He said to the storms, be still. And who could do that? Only God could do that. So they were a little bit confused until after the resurrection. Even at that, Thomas said, folks, I need to see things for myself. When he saw he was the first man, bear in mind, no Jew could call a human being God. Because that would be blasphemous, punishable by death, death with stoning. But when Thomas saw that, he said, my Lord and my God, the name that belonged only to Yahweh, he bestowed upon Jesus and bowed down to worship. It was the Jewish disciples themselves who acclaimed that Jesus is Lord. They know the difference. They know God when they see God in the wilderness with Moses. They know God when they see God in Elijah. They know God when they see him through the works of the prophets in the spirit. They know God when they read his word. But now they see God face to face in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus rose and went to be with the father. Paul himself in dealing with the resurrection said. We received And gave to you what we have received. That Jesus died according to the scriptures. That he was raised according to the scriptures. Everything was predicted by God in scripture. Friends, stick to the scriptures. Acts chapter 2. So now, what were they going to do? Jesus is leaving until the last day before they got convinced that Jesus is leaving and that left them in worry. So they ran and locked the doors for fear that they might be killed or arrested or what happened to Jesus will happen to them. But he had told them many times, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Joel chapter 2, You can do nothing without me. He told them that. And in chapter 14 of John, the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's the counselor, the comforter. He's going to guide you into all things. He's going to talk with you. Now the Jesus you see in Palestine, when I go to the Father, he's no longer going to be restricted to Palestine. He's going to be everywhere else. Locked doors, he will come in. Aircraft, he will be there. Anywhere, he will be there in America, in China in Africa in Saudi Arabia anywhere at the same time doing the works of God and he emphatically states that the disciples can do nothing without him so they need the presence of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God Through the life and ministry of Jesus, we see and experience the power and work of the Holy Spirit. This is the same spirit promised in Joel 2 that's going to be operational here and now. This minute, my friends, I want to invite you, please, each one of us Christians, this morning, this moment, to have a meeting with the Holy Spirit. We need to have a meeting Even if you don't desire it I plead with you To desire it now Because This life is difficult You cannot go about this life alone You need God And God has told us That the way you can meet with him Is through his son Jesus Christ I am the way The truth and the life Exclusively I am the way The truth And the life And you cannot meet with Jesus Except through his Holy Spirit This minute I ask you Please friends Please Make no fuss about it Please have a meeting Have an encounter With the Spirit He will make Your life Worth living Believe me. Believe me, my friends. He will make your life worth living. He will make you excited. I mean, look, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they said, "Well, those guys are drunk. They aren't drunk. Too early to take whiskey or gin or brandy. It was in the morning, 9 a.m. It was the Holy Spirit. Folks, I feel like break dancing even now because the Holy Spirit just work. He's freed me. If you doubt it, go and ask my mother. And ask my father. They have stories to tell. If the Holy Spirit did not come into my life, I will never have been on this pulpit. Never. I was the worst in my youth. Very quickly. I beg you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. To have a meeting. And there are three reasons for that. Number one, Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what the apostle writes. He said, and suddenly, this was on the day of Pentecost, there came down from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, The wind. Do I need to tell you about tornadoes in America? You know what the wind does? The wind blows off everything. particularly roofs. Knocks them all down. Buildings of pride and arrogance. Knocks them all down. All the forms of feeling of entitlement that the young Jews had knocked them all down because they had no dealings with Gentiles before the Pentecost. Why would they? They They're entitled children of God. The Israel of heaven. That sense of entitlement was blown off because when they came out from the room, who would they see? Gentiles. Who were the first converts? Look at the names of the towns and cities they all came from. From all over the world. The wind blew away their pride. They had to be humble to accept that God loves the whole world and gave his son Jesus Christ to die for the world. But the second thing, verse 3. In divided tongues of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. You know what fire does? It burns off anything. And you are quite so well organized here in the States, as I have seen often, and I like what I see. The the people who do the business of taking all the things you don't want and put them in green buckets or... Black buckets, you know, you separate them. And then the the vehicle that comes, has this computerized, picks them up, throws them in, rolls them in, takes them to the incinerator where they're all burnt off. Things you don't need. Things you don't need. Burn them away. The Holy Spirit burns them away. At the time I listened to my wife preaching and she was urging the pastor's wives not to quarrel with their husbands, but to pray for them. Pray for them. And she said, what you can't do, the Holy Spirit can do. You cannot change your husband, she said. Pray for him. The Holy Spirit will change him. I now knew the secret of what she was doing. Because when we were younger, we were trying to assert ourselves. And she was, she will argue, I will argue, I'll say, No, I'm the man of this house. The Bible says I'm the head of this house. I need to run this. And she will also do this. And we go on and on and on. And by evening, nobody's talking to the other. She found out very early that how to deal with this man, strong-willed, Holy Ghost, touch him. And little by little. Now, I've learned a better way, whatever she says. (laughs) And believe me, my friends, your life is safer and safest and always will be safe in the hands of a committed spirit-filled wife. Your life is always safe in the hands of a committed spirit-filled wife. But I also have learned. Because I thought I was a Christian until I got married. And I realized that there's more to Christianity preaching outside as a pastor. Because many of you think when you see us pastors, you say, oh, these are great men. They are wonderful people. Well, ask my wife. And she has stories to tell you. Because I became more a Christian led by the Spirit And learned how to walk in the spirit after I got married. Because there are days I've said, Lord, what have I done to myself? This girl I brought into this house, why did I do that? And God knows best what you need. He gave me this woman to put me right with him. Being married has helped my spiritual life, no small measure. My prayer life. Because I can't change this woman. Only God can. And only the spirit can. Burning of all the pride. Burning of all the items from the heart. All the bitterness. All the anger. All the feeling of not wanted. Burn them all off. The Holy Spirit burns them and sets you free. So you can be who you are. For God. You don't need those things in the heart. You come to church still feeling angry. You don't need it. That's why we need to have this meeting, this encounter with the Holy Spirit. We don't need it. Only Satan needs it because he uses it to tie you in and make sure that your prayer life is ineffective because until you forgive and burn all those things, you cannot come to God and expect him to listen to you. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't answer your prayer. Burn it all off. You don't need it. In any case, how long do we have to live on earth? Why do you keep those things you don't need? Take them to the incinerator. Burn them off. Tongues of fire. Burning unnecessary items from the heart that we do not need. But thirdly, why we need this meeting is then verse 4 tells us. And they were filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. They were filled with the Spirit. You see, when you come to this meeting and all has been blown off and everything here has been burned up, you are now open to God to fill you. You're now free and he can use you. Listen, friends, when you're that free, sitting here this morning, are atomic bombs against Satan ready to explode. You can deal with Satan. Once you have nothing holding you back, you are as powerful. Satan is not afraid of a Christian who has things in the heart. But he's afraid of a Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's nothing he can do about it. The cross paid it all. You're set free. And you can face the enemy And you will wonder why you are joyful in persecution, joyful in suffering, joyful in all difficulties. Satan doesn't know how to handle all those. I'll never forget something I learned from Gloria. Because one of the things I prayed to God for is not to have a baby boy. Um, Because, I mean, I know who I am. And if I had a baby boy and he takes my chemistry, um, I I wouldn't know how to handle that. I just wouldn't. Um, My father and mother, you know, were very happy when I left home at 17. At least, uh, they they have peace. So if I had a boy now, uh, and he was like me as a pastor, what would I do? That was my question. So I prayed with her. I said, please, let's pray for five girls. And we did. And I told the church the names of all the five girls. And the church was praying with me. I was a little pastor. So we had a first girl. Everybody said, Hannah, too?" So first one was a girl. That was great. I forgot to pray the second, third, long and short. We have four boys. (laughs) Two girls. Indeed, one of the boys came out just not knowing the reason why on earth we have a manual. He, He can't understand why there's a manual on earth. If you see this boy, read manual. It's because nobody else can fix it. Early in the morning, we're going to... I can find my shoe. And I wonder what to do with... It. Why Sunday morning? I'm already late for church. Monday morning, my parents can't see my books. Ah, this kind of trouble. Then it got to teenage. The troubles magnified. They didn't magnify the Lord. They magnified my troubles. And I said, one one of the mornings, because when they were kids, I had read all these books, James Dobson, name it, everyone, how to raise kids. I I just didn't want a trouble in my home. I would go to their rooms where they were sleeping. I would pray for them, each one, Lord Jesus, help me with this one. And, you know, the silly kids, they're sleeping, legs apart and blanket. I tuck them in, try to do my best. This particular night, I couldn't sleep, so I went into prayers till 2.30 a.m begging God for these children to know him and to follow him that the devil might not steal any one child that I have around 2.30 Gloria woke up in the morning and there she was she saw me rolling on the floor sweating and crying she went to the bathroom came back and she said Ben sit down what's your problem I couldn't talk she said is it your son I said yes and she said look at me you are a huge sinner saved by grace I'm a huge sinner saved by grace. Will will we have an angel for a child? (laughs) That was all I needed to hear from the Lord. That boy is a fantastic missionary now. We need to meet with this Holy Spirit. We need that meeting here and now, today, this minute. Please don't deny yourself the opportunity of being blessed by God, the opportunity of being empowered by God, the opportunity of saving your marriage, your children, the opportunity of saving your even work. There are people you go to the workplace, they don't want to see you. Take them to the Lord in prayer. There are also people you don't want to see. Take them to the Lord in prayer. The Holy Spirit is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ever think or imagine. Otherwise, how do people in Sudan survive? We've seen it in America. Politics have solved nothing. Money have solved nothing. Books have not solved anything. You go to endless counselors and still come back all the time. Folks, here is the secret. Holy Spirit. If only we will humble ourselves. And turn to the Lord. For the Holy Spirit introduces us to God and his power. Welcomes us into the powerful hand of the creator who has not abdicated his duties. He's still in charge. He's able to do more than we can ever think or imagine. This is the moment, my friends. Would you like to pray with me in this meeting? Let us pray. Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God. We ask that we may meet with you now. And that you will meet with us now. Break each heart here present. Melt, O God, with your fire. Mold in the refiner's fire. Make us, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. As many hearts as are open to you this day, O God, so may you, Holy Spirit of God, enter in. For you said, you stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door of their hearts, you will come in. And you will eat with them and they with you. Lord, fulfill your word and promise now.